Time now for a look at news. Time now for a look at your midday news. This is Abby Ward filling in for Nathan Cones. The Jefferson Police Department is currently investigating a stolen vehicle reported yesterday. Law officials say at approximately 1.33 a.m., the Ford F-350 owned by Molly Frazier of Boone was taken from the 100 block of West McKinley Street. The truck and equipment were part of a crew working in the area, and the vehicles were left at this location overnight for the workers to continue the next day. The vehicle is described as a silver flatbed truck containing skid loader implements on the bed and a bucket lift that was hooked to the vehicle. The lift was later located in a deep ravine at Squirrel Hollow Wildlife Area around the 277th Street and Redwood Avenue, but the vehicle and the skid loader equipment have not been found. The Jefferson Police Department are still investigating and asking anyone with information or with the whereabouts of the stolen vehicle to call the Jefferson Police Department at 515-386-2136. A picture similar to the missing truck has been included with this story on our website. Nearly 70 teams are scheduled to travel to Carroll this weekend for the Chamber of Commerce 18th Annual Court Classic, and businesses are preparing for an influx of over 2,000 players, coaches, families, and fans for the popular youth basketball tournament. Chamber Program Director Ashley Shable says attendance is way up from last year. Yeah, we have 68 teams coming to town this weekend, so 24 of those are girls teams that will play on Sunday. It's nice to see the jump. I kind of feel like we're three years out of COVID where we kind of took a hit there, and I think it's kind of been nice this year to see those teams roll in and kind of build back up and fill some really nice divisions. The two-day tournament features over 100 games of 3rd through ninth grade boys teams and 4th through 8th grade girls teams. Kurt Baumhover, who helped launch the Court Classic as chamber president when it was still known as Hoop It Up, says it is incredible to see how much the tournament has grown. Trust me, yeah, I didn't think we'd be sitting here 18 years later still talking about the tournament. But, you know, every year we, we get together as a committee and we feel like, hey, what can we do different? We always sit down and, and try to hash all that out and, and just try to tweak it every year. And seems like you'd think after 18 years you'd be good to go, but we always tweak something. Court Classic organizers say they always get questions from coaches and other tournament directors trying to figure out how Carroll manages to host such a huge youth basketball event with so many teams. Shable says Carroll is fortunate to have many quality gyms where games can be played, and she credits the city of Carroll and the community's two school districts for being easy to work with. We can't thank our schools enough. You know, they could host some tournament games. They do sometimes, and we just shift locations and stuff. But early on, when the tournament's over this year, we pick a date for next year. We mark it in. They reserve the gyms for us. You know, they open them up all day and let us kind of come in and do our thing, really. Um, we set up. They have score clocks ready for us. Janitors on staff. We need stuff. So I go to a lot of tourism conferences, and I tell people all the time, every year I get asked, how do you guys do your court classes? basketball tournament and every year it's because we have the gyms. Games will be played across nine gyms in town including the newly renovated Carroll Rec Center Gymnasium. The Court Classic also boasts all boast a roster of paid certified referees for all of their games, which is preferred by players, fans, and coaches when compared to others, many other similar tournaments. Baumhofer says it is also a significant economic driver for the community over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my focus was tourism way back when, and so yeah, if we can get these guys kind of bouncing around and, you know, being on the north side to the south side, they see everything in, in between, and 
they're like, oh, we need to stop here. Or, you know, they always like to have that team lunch kind of before or after a game. So it's, it's always good to see the town. Shable says a vital part of the tournament's success every year is the number of volunteers, and they still need a few helping hands. They can sure um, reach out to me at the chamber. Um, I'm working on those site coordinator lists right now. I mean, we've got nine gyms on Saturday, <laughs> so it just takes some extra hands, and um, it's great. One of the biggest things is to get some local people in those gyms to greet the teams when they come in and when they ask where they can go e what they can do in between games it's nice to be able to tell them and have people there to help with that so um we've got a really good list but we can always use a few more so if you if you'd like to help give me a call volunteer jobs range from helping teams find where they are going to ensuring game times are kept on schedule as closely as possible People interested in volunteering are asked to reach out to Chamber Office directly at 712-792-4383. Games are slated all day on Saturday and Sunday, and local fans are encouraged to come watch. Wristbands are just $10, and fans get into all games that weekend. The City of Audubon has been selected to receive a $2.8 million low-interest loan from the U.S. Department of Agricultural Rural Development to construct a new fire station for the fire department. The project includes an 11,700-square-foot pre-engineered metal building with four bays, a workspace for firefighters, and equipment and supply storage areas. For the past several years, the city of Audubon has attempted to build a new station due to space constraints caused by the size of the new firefighting vehicles, including two failed bond referendums for the project. Federal officials approved the city's loan application, indicating the new fire station will improve the Audubon's fire department's ability to respond to emergencies and promote community safety. USDA Rural Development State Director Teresa Greenfield says from hospitals to fire stations to supporting small businesses, USDA is investing in rural Iowa. Under the leadership of President Biden, Vice President Harris, and Secretary Vilsack, USDA is working with local leaders to grow and build their communities. The city of Audubon loan was part of a recent investment by the USDA of $29 million in loans and grants into rural Iowa projects. And that has been your first half of your noon news. We will be back for more after these messages. Hi, I'm Ann Menzel, Vice President and Trust Officer with Iowa Savings Bank. It's IRA season! It's the perfect time for many of you to contribute to your IRA or start saving for your retirement. You have until April 15th to contribute for 2023 and potentially save on your 2023 taxes. Come see us at Iowa Savings Bank to see if we can help you save for and grow your retirement money. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Account conditions and qualifications apply. All loans are subject to ISB loan policies and regulatory requirements. Fleetwood Mass. A tribute to the legendary Fleetwood Mac comes to Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Jefferson on Saturday, March 23rd. Fleetwood Mask. Tickets are on sale now at wildroseresorts.com or the Iowa Store. This is indeed Make Fleetwood. This band does it right. They even look like us. Saturday, March 23rd. Don't miss Fleetwood Mask at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Jefferson. Time now for the second half of your new news. This is Abby Ward reporting, filling in for Nathan Cones. 
The second of four planned Carroll Chamber of Commerce and Carroll County Growth Partnership legislative forums is scheduled for this weekend. The approximately one-hour-long forum features set District 6 Senator Jason Schultz of Schleswig and District 11 Representative Brian Best of Glennon beginning at 10 a.m. in the Carroll Des Moines Area Community College Notch Commons. The legislators will provide brief opening comments before answering questions prepared by the Chamber and CCGP Legislative Committee. If time allows, attendees can ask questions concerning pending issues at the State House. Two other forums are scheduled March 23rd at New Hope in Carroll and April 27th at the Glidden Public Library. The Iowa Senate has passed a bill modeled after the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Senator Jason Schultz, a Republican from Schleswig, says court rulings have infringed on the free exercise of religion, and the bill outlines how the state courts are to decide cases in the future. I am proud to do this and actually a little embarrassed it took this long to get to this point. But along with the 25 other states that have done this and the federal government. 31 Republicans in the state Senate vote, voted for it while the 16 Senate Democrats opposed it. Senator Herman Korkbach, a Democrat from Ames, says the bill would open the door to all sorts of discrimination. I believe that bigotry dressed up in religious robes is still bigotry. Senator Jeff Taylor, a Republican from Sioux Center, says the bill makes it clear the Constitution is the law of the land. The courts have eaten away at religious freedom nationally, and that applies to our state as well. This is a defensive mechanism saying we need to prioritize the First Amendment. Senator J.C. Weiner, a Democrat from Iowa City, says the bill lets people cite their religious beliefs as they pick and choose which laws to follow. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act has become a blank check for people to impose their religious beliefs on others and to discriminate against people they don't like. That's wrong. Weiner said it would allow pharmacists to cite their religious beliefs and refuse to dispense birth control or let property owners refuse to rent to same-sex couples. Senator Liz Bennett, a Democrat from Cedar Rapids, says the bill slams the door in her face. I stand before you today as a queer woman and an Iowan, and I am sick and tired of my community being the target of mean-spirited, discriminatory bills written by Republican politicians. Schultz, a Republican who served in the Iowa legislature since 2009, says Democrats are being overly dramatic about the bill. But fortunately, Iowa has chosen this majority and we're going to um, move the correct direction. An identical version of the bill is eligible for debate in the Republican-led Iowa House. The Iowa Arboretum in Boone County will debut the first in the Midwest feature at its facility this spring, according to spokesman Mark Schneider. We're going to be opening Treehouse Village, which is an all-inclusive treehouse suspension bridge and outdoor nature play area and will give uh, people elevated and ground level experiences in tree houses and in a really neat play area. He says the Treehouse Village it will be a welcoming addition to the Arboretum near Madrid with several features just for people in wheelchairs including a swing and a zip line. The whole project is located in our woodland area across from our main campus. So we're still about gardens, which is very important to us, and growing trees. But this is a new element that will bring families, bring people, 
bring grandparents with their grandchildren to the Arboretum to experience nature and be outdoors. Almost $1.7 million has been raised for the Treehouse Village project with a fundraising goal of $2 million. And that has been a look at your midday news. This has been Abby Ward reporting.